19. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 19. And we have been going through, just to let you know, uh, a series on Sunday nights in the life of Abraham. And uh, we started this probably a couple months ago. And uh, we have been kind of trading on and off for the most part. Sometimes uh, there's some overlap, like tonight. If you were here last week, you heard me last week. But uh, we've been kind of rotating between Micah, Will, and myself, uh, going through the life of Abraham. And, and uh, starting back next week, I think Micah will be up next week, and then Will after that. And I enjoy getting to hear these guys preach. I enjoy getting to hear them have opportunities. I think it's good uh, for these guys to have opportunities to take God's Word, share God's Word. So I encourage you, if you can, to come and hear them. Uh, they do a good job in the other ministries that they're involved in, and I appreciate that. Uh, but tonight, I'm going to be up with you tonight uh, in Genesis chapter 19. And uh, just looking at the kind of the, the slate of things that we're looking at today uh, between Sunday school this morning and tonight, I just kind of thought to myself, Lord, these are some heavy things that we're looking at. You know, if you were in Sunday school, you know we're in the middle of Revelation and we're in the middle of the trumpets and the judgments and those kind of things. And, and then this morning, we're in James chapter 1 dealing with trials and tribulations. And why do we have them? How do we go through them? And then tonight, we get to probably one of the more sad parts in the life of Abraham. Um, and it's one of these things that we will look at here in just a moment. But um, we looked at last week uh, in Genesis chapter 18, we looked at Abraham as the friend of God. In fact, it says that over in the book of James itself. It says that Abraham was called the friend of God. Isaiah says, and, and Abraham, God's friend. And we looked at a lot of things about how Abraham was the friend of God. In fact, we kind of review just a little bit for a moment there, chapter number 18. If you remember, it says that two angels came to Abraham, and Sarah was in the tent, and it says the two angels came to Abraham, and it says in God came to Abraham. A lot of people think this is a theophany or a Christophany. A theophany is an appearance of God, uh, in maybe in a bodily uh, form like that, or Christophany, appearance of Christ uh, before his birth. And it talks about how God comes and he fellowships there with Abraham. And then we looked at last week, it says how the angels in verse 16 of chapter 18 rose up and started going towards Sodom. And we really focused on how Abraham was the friend of God and what that meant. And we saw how God had a closeness with Abraham so much that he's remembered like David, a man after God's own heart. Abraham's remembered as a man that was God's friend. And I'll tell you, that's a pretty cool uh, way to be remembered by being remembered the friend of God. And so we looked at this and it says how God says as he was about to leave that he said, should I show this thing to Abraham that I'm going to do? And then in verse number 22, if you see it there in chapter 18, it says, but Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And we see how Abraham had such a closeness with God that even when God says, hey, I'm about to go down to these cities and destroy them, that we see that closeness that he had, where Abraham literally begs God, starting in verses 23 through 33, the end of the chapter, begs God on the behalf of those people that live in Sodom and those cities that surround it. And by the way, that's how you know you're the friend of God, when God listens to you because you don't just pray and beg God for things in your own life, that you beg and plead for God for other people. And he had that thing. Abraham wasn't saying, do this for me. He says, I'm begging you on behalf of others. And if you remember, hey, God, what if there's 50 righteous people? God said, sure. What about 45? What about 40? What about 30? And eventually through there, Abraham, I think, is very sensitive. said, okay, God, please don't be mad at me. How about 20? 
And God says, sure, for 20. And then finally he's like, okay, God, please don't be mad. How about 10? And I love the next verse. It says, and the Lord left from communing. It's almost like God's saying, okay, that's good. All right, we're going. And so we see that, how he had this closeness. And, and by the way, just as, a, uh, just as we remind ourselves of that passage, is there's a huge difference. You want to know the difference in the friendship of God and what we're going to see with Lot in a minute is the two ways that chapter, look at the way chapter 18 ends. And then as we see tonight how chapter 19 is going to end. Because tonight what I want us to look at is not Abraham, the friend of God, but I want us tonight to look at Lot, the friend of the world. And I want us to see some things here, maybe be a help to us. But let's pray and we'll get into our passage. Lord, as I come to you tonight, Father, I thank you so much, God, that you even desire friendship with us. Lord, that you desire relationship with us, closeness with us, Lord. We thank you. And Lord, as we say, holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty. But Lord, you've also called us to be holy like you. And Lord, I know in myself, in my life, there dwelleth no good thing. But Lord, I pray over these next few moments as we look at kind of a, a hard part of Scripture. Father, I pray that the Word of God would speak, that it would pour down on us. Lord, just help us to see what you have for us tonight. Lord, be with everyone in here tonight that whatever they may be facing, whatever they may be enduring, Lord, they may be smiling on the outside, but on the inside there, there's a struggle, there's a suffering, there's a hurt. Lord, I pray that you might just rule and overrule in that. Thank you for Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen. So we're going to see Lot now. We're going to see Lot as the friend of the world. In fact, if you go, we're not going to do it now, but if you, if you were in the book of James, you see as in that, in that chapter talks about the friend of, Abraham was a friend of God. It goes over and says, whoever is a friend of the world is enmity with God. And, and I have beside that in the margin of my Bible, I believe it's chapter four, if I'm not mistaken, I have Lot written right there beside that. Because as much as Abraham was the friend of God, there was Lot, he was the friend of the world. And, and by the way, you don't have to be a theologian to really see that the outcome in chapter 18 is far better than what the outcome is in chapter 19. You don't have to know Greek. You don't have to know Arabic. You don't have to be a scholar just to see how God ends with communing and fellowshipping with Abraham and then really the horrible disaster that is Lot's life that ends chapter number 19 that we'll see hopefully here in a little bit. But I will tell you, it's always better to be God's friend. And I want us to see some interesting things here um, a verse of scripture, if you want to turn to it before we get into this, is, is actually in Second Peter chapter number 2. Excuse, 2 Peter chapter 2. And, and just talking a little bit here about uh, Lot and talking about Abraham for a moment. We're going to focus on him a lot mainly tonight is this. But I want you to see something. I'll tell you one real interesting thing, talking about Abraham, the friend of God, and Lot, the friend of the world. Can I tell you this? One of the first interesting things is this. They're both believers. They're both Christians. You say, I don't believe that. Second Peter chapter number two, verse number six through eight says this. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example for unto those that after should live ungodly, and delivered just lot, vexed with the filthy conversation or lifestyle of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul 
from day to day with their unlawful deeds. I tell you, when you look at that portion of Scripture, I truly believe that Lot was a believer, but Lot shows you this. You can be a believer and, and live a life in such a way for a while, I believe, that you're the friend of the world. We can live in a way that says we're not the friend of God, that we're the friend of the world, because as it talks about here, and delivered just Lot. You're saying, well, that means just Lot. No, as you read the passage here, it's more than Lot that left. It means that a righteous Lot, a saved Lot, and how he vexed, he strangled, as we talk about in the New Testament, what quenched not the Holy Spirit of God, that he, that he quenched inside of him, his, his righteousness was quenched, and it says his filthy conversation or his lifestyle, he dwelled with them, and we see these things there. So I, I, I say this to begin with, when we look at Lot, I say we're looking at two believers here. We're looking at Lot, the friend of the world, Abraham, the friend of God. But some things, just to jump right in tonight, this, that with some observations from chapter number 19. Number one, we see this, is talking about Lot, the friend of the world, is that he becomes settled in his sin. He becomes settled in his sin. Look what it says here in verse number one of chapter 19. It says, and there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate at Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face to the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and ye shall rise up early, and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. Now stop there for a moment. But this idea how Lot, the friend of the world, he becomes settled in sin. Do you, do you see how Lot got here? Where do these angels, when they leave Abraham, where do they find Lot? They don't find Lot running a shop in town. They don't find Lot working for somebody in the corner. It says that Lot, and I mentioned this a little last week, Lot was sitting at the gate, the gate of custom. That lets you know something. If you sat in those days, if you sat in the gate, you were the official greeter. You welcomed people to town. You were the ambassador. You were the representative of that time. It's kind of like our, as we elect people that is a representative for our area when that. And so when you think about this, here is a lot. And what we know about the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, the surrounding cities that eventually God wipes off the map, you got a believer here that has got so far away from God and so close to the world that it becomes so settled and comfortable in his sin. I tell you, one of the most dangerous things we can do in our life is not just sin, but get very comfortable sinning. Get comfortable in the sins that we do. Hey, we're all going to sin. We're going to sin, and hopefully through the Holy Spirit, that conviction and that love for God will overcome, and it will draw us back to God. But man, when we get to the point where we're very comfortable sinning, and we get settled in to that sin, that's a problem. And how did Lot get there? Hold your place there and flip back to chapter number 13 just for a moment. Remember in chapter number 13, there's Abraham and, and, and there's Lot and everything's going well. I mean, it's going so well with all their cattle and all their uh, herdsmen and everything. There's so much of it, but then there starts to become a little bit of strife. By the way, it's always interesting what happens when strife comes up among brethren. Normally somebody gets bent out of shape. Normally something happens. And you see here, remember how Lot and Abraham, there's kind of division among their herdsmen. And remember Abraham said, hey, I don't want there to be division. We're brother. We're brethren. I'm your uncle. You're my nephew. I want there to be peace among us. And so remember, who was it promised to this land? Abraham. But Abraham wanting to keep the peace of Lot, you choose. If you go this way, 
I'll go that way. If I go, if you want that way, I'll go this way. And if you remember chapter 13, verse 12, it says this. And Abraham dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. So from chapter 13 to where we are now in chapter 19, I don't know exactly how long that time period is. Lot goes from just pitching his tent that way to where now he's not just a member of society, he's the one they represent. He represents them. Uh, a, a sin that is so, sins so many sins, so much of a sinful area, sinful town, sinful heart and attitude that God wants to wipe it off the earth. And who do the angels meet as a representative? They meet Lot, this righteous man. And we see here, and you say, well, well how does that happen? Well, can I tell you something? That, that Lot's heart was in Sodom long before his body was. His heart was in Sodom long before his body was there. And can I tell you, his body will lead him to where his heart was. And you say, well, what does that mean? Well, that means this. For, I believe it's uh, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 21 says, For where your heart is, your, excuse me, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And the idea of this, if we have to be very careful of what we long for and look for and desire because it's only a matter of time before we go there. I truly believe Lot didn't overnight go from tent outside to representing the town. Lot's heart and desire was for Sodom long before he ever set foot in it. Now, I tell you, we don't want to take a lot of time because there's so much in this passage. I find it interesting that a place that God says, I want to wipe off the face of the earth, is a place that Lot got his employment. They paid him. He's a paid representative. He's not just volunteering this. I mean, they're paying him for that. I mean, just to see how much of a friend of the world that he's got to. And, and, and when you see that, you say, well, Phil, that's great, man. That's Lot. I'm not Lot. I'm not settled in on my sin. I'm not comfortable in my sin. But let me ask you a question. Tonight. Are you gazing at it? Are you looking at it? Are you pondered? Sometimes we think to ourselves, man, it's all right, as long as I don't do it. But I can sit there and look at it, think about it all I want. Can I tell you, be careful. The longer you linger, the longer that you look, the longer that you meditate. The Bible says if we think in our hearts, so are we. We are that way. Well, I don't do this. Whatever it is in your life. Well, that, that, that thing that we pull. Remember we talked about this morning? What is lust? Lust is a desire that pulls us to do something. And if we're not careful, we may say, well, I'm not going to settle in and never do that. But boy, we're going to look at it. We're going to think about it. We're going to ponder it. And we're going to want it. And our heart's going to be in Sodom long before our body ever is. And we don't need to be surprised when we actually are there. And, and some things to think about with that is, in fact, if you like, hold your place there in Genesis and turn to a very familiar passage, Psalm 1, if you would. And I think just to kind of understand the idea of how Lot, how he becomes settled in sin. And this is a, um, like I said, I know it's a very familiar verse, and I only want to look at the very first verse of it, Psalm 1. Now, when you read Psalm 1, it starts off with the same word that we look at when we read Matthew 5. In the Beatitudes, starts with what? Blessed. Blessed means, oh, how very happy, or to have perfect happiness, complete happiness. Look what it says in verse 1, Psalm 1. You probably quote it. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. By the way, the word scornful there means those that hate truth. The scorner, you read in Scripture sometimes, cast out the scorner, 
and the simple will be made wise because a scorner is somebody that hates truth. And when you look at this progression, if you will, of becoming settled into sin, look what it says. And I have this underlined in my Bible. Blessed is man that what? Walketh not, nor standeth, nor sitteth. Do you see a progression there? Walking comes to standing in front of to eventually comes sitting. It's kind of like I do this mentality window shopping. You know, whenever there's malls and those kind of things. You know, I always find it funny that in stores and stuff, they don't put the most hideous thing that's like 15 years old that's in the back of the thing that no one else wants. They don't put that on the mannequin right there. They put the thing on there that's going to attract people. They're going to stop, and they're going to see it because when you walk by it and you see it, the whole idea is this. If I can just get you to stop. If I get you to stop, I'm going to get you to stand there for a moment. And then you're going to start having this debate in your mind. Hmm, do I like that? Yeah, I like that. Do I want that? Yeah, I want that. Can I afford that? Yeah, I want that. You know, you kind of have that argument in your head, don't you? Okay? It's kind of like when you go, if you ever go buy a new car uh, place, they ain't got the 67 Chevette in the back that's floating around on the turntable right there, all right? Yeah, check this bad boy out. You know, this is what you need to be in. Some of you are like, I have a Chevette. Okay, well, anyways, whatever that you have, okay? Because the whole goal is this. They know you're going to walk by. But if you could just stand, and then maybe we'll get you to ponder enough to sit. You ever sometimes make a purchase on something, and in the middle of the purchase, you're sitting there filling out paperwork. You're like, how did I get here? I didn't even want this today. I wasn't even thinking about buying this today. I wasn't even... What am I doing here? Why, why? And you got buyer's remorse and you ain't finished you know, filling out the paperwork yet. Now, don't go out and say, Phil says, anytime you walk by a used car, I mean, I'm not saying that, okay? My dad was, my dad was a used car salesman, so I, I got that part. That's my joke. If God didn't call me in the ministry, I know what I'd be doing right now, you know, selling used cars, all right? But do you see the progression of how we get settled and comfortable with sin? If you walk by it, be careful because you might stand near it. And eventually you might get so comfortable you sit right by it. And if you stay there long enough, you'll vex your righteous soul and you get comfortable with it and you'll represent it to other people, which means this. You let other people know why it's okay. We can sometimes get so comfortable in sin, we're willing to be the representative of why it's okay to do it. And there's a danger in that. You say, oh, I would never do that. A lot of times we belittle our sins, don't we? Our sins, I mean, very few people are like, let me tell you how terrible my sins are. Now, these people over here, they don't sin very much, but my sins are pretty terrible. No, we're normally opposite saying, now, their stuff is pretty wicked. Whew, thank you, God, I'm not like those people. But the idea of here, just, be, just wonder that. And, and this is just a little side note, and I'm, I've got to get through this, I know. But back in Genesis, do you notice that in Genesis 18, two angels come to Abraham, right, with God? You notice how, what, who goes to Sodom? Two angels. Guess who didn't go? God. Why? Wonder why. Because God was with the friend. And Lot had already chose his friend. He already chose who he was comfortable with. And, and later on as he destroys it and we see Abraham sees it and everything. You know, it kind of makes me wonder, and, I, and I'm just kind of wondering, why would God go to Abraham but wouldn't go to Lot if they're both believers? 
And I wonder just kind of if God wasn't comfortable with Lot. He was comfortable with Abraham. And it makes me sometimes ask this question. I just have this for me, but I'll say it out, out to you as well. If God wouldn't go there because he wasn't comfortable, I wonder how comfortable God would be in my car, in my house, on social media, that I have all these different things that I do. How comfortable is God with me and the things that I do in my life? Hey, the things I look at on my phone, on the computer. How comfortable will God go there? Because, you know, God goes where he's glorified a lot of times. And I wondered, just wondered about that. That, that kind of stuck out to me. Why is it chapter 18 we see two angels and God? In chapter 19, we don't see God. And I think it's because Lot already drew the line in the sand of who, he was, who his friend was. And so anyways, we see that and going on with that. Uh, so we see, first, we see he becomes settled in his sin. But second, I see this. I see how his conscience convicts him. His conscience convicts him. As it says, what happens when it says here in the end of verse 1, and Lot seeing them rose up to meet them and bowed himself to his face towards the ground in verse 2. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into the servant's house and tarry all night and wash your feet and ye shall rise up early and go your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly and they turned into him and entered into this house, and he made them a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. So we see kind of his conscience convicting him. He's kind of real comfortable in his sin, and I think all of a sudden Lot goes, I know who they are. I know who they are. They're from God. And you don't see Lot comfortable in his sin now. You see that spirit that starts to convict him, saying, hey. And it doesn't run. He didn't walk up, and he don't high-five him. Hey, man, how you doing? It says he falls on his face to the angels. Imagine if God actually came to him. It might have been God's mercy not for him to go to Lot. But as we see here, he falls in the face and, and he talks to him and, and you see his conscience. And, and, you know, I think to myself this, the conscience, our conscience can convict us when we try to live with one foot, so to speak, in the, in the realm of spirituality and one foot as far as living in the world. And, and even this, if you notice this, I tell you, it kind of jumped out at me studying this slowly. But in chapter, in, in chapter 19, verse number 2, do you notice how, how what he says to them when they come and he sees them and he's got this anticipation? Look what he says in the middle of the verse. He says this, and ye shall rise up early and go on your way. He's kind of like, okay, you're here, come with me, and in the morning real early when nobody's up and you can't really see what's going on, get out of here and go on your way. He didn't want them to be there to see what was really going on. Have you ever had... Um, company drop in i mean just kind of you weren't really expecting them to come and they just kind of show up and you weren't ready and you're like throwing everything every which direction you can you know and you got that and you're like you're distracting them over there where everybody else is kicking everything underneath you know what you're doing and you're doing all these different things and you're just like whoo i gotta get ready you weren't ready for them what do you try to do you try to redirect them and if your house is kind of not in order, you don't walk them over to where the disorder and the chaos is, okay? You don't walk them over to the sink that's overflowing with dishes and those things. You're like, hey, why don't we come look over here, you know? And I've ever noticed this. When people drop in my house over the years of my life, and, and whenever they come in, it's funny. Like, they'll start walking. Well, look at this. And I'm like, well, let's not look at this. Let's look at this over here, right? This. And, and, and here's the thing. I really don't want them to see this. I just don't want them to see whatever that is, you know? I don't want them, I don't want them to see what that stuff is. It's kind of like this. 
Does anyone else have what we call a junk drawer in your house? You're like, Phil, I don't have a junk drawer. I have a place for miscellaneous items is what I have. You ever go through that junk drawer? Y'all like, hey, you're cool if you got a drawer. I got a closet, okay, whatever it is. Yeah, exactly, right? I went through our junk drawer the other day, and I'm like, why do I have 17 safety pins, three dead AA batteries? I mean, who keeps a dead battery? I mean, how far? I mean, my trash can is like here, you know, from that. You know, why do we have these things? I got a pocket knife. I got a credit card I don't use in the last five years. You know, I got all these things. I got keys to stuff that I swore that the kids lost, all that stuff. But when you walk in my house, I don't say, let me show you this drawer. This drawer right here is where it's at. If it's anywhere in life, it's right here. This is the abyss of our home, okay? I don't do that. And why does he tell them, hey, come in, hurry, come in? He says they came at even, means the evening's coming. Lot knew what happened in Sodom at night. Lot knew when the darkness came, it wasn't just a physical darkness, but it was a spiritual darkness. And they said, oh, we'll just stay out here in the open plaza. And Lot's like, no, you don't know what happens here. Let me get you out of that. I, and, and don't you come stay with me. I'll feed you. And as soon as you, early in the morning where everybody's kind of, they'll die down, I'll get you out of here. Because Lot did not want them to see what happens there because he knew it. Can I tell you sometimes, and looking at Lot, Lot had some pretty good manners. But Lot had pretty bad motives. He feeds them. He does everything. But he's like, hurry and go to sleep so you wake up early morning and get on your way. Because I don't want you to see the darkness. I only want you to see what I want you to see. And, and I thought about this. Um, do I have good manners and wrong motives? Say, so what do you mean? Do I want everyone to look at my Sunday morning but not my Friday night? Don't want everybody to see me on Sunday morning, but my Saturday night. You don't want people to see that. You want people to see you in church, but they don't, you don't want them to see how you act at your job when you're not acting the way you should, or in the evening at home when it's just you and nobody else seeing what you're looking at or watching or how you're acting. That's good manners, but it's wrong motives. We, we want them to see what we want them to see. You know, every now and then in my home, I can just tell the storm is coming that people are going to get angry and a brouhaha is going to happen and I'm going to get angry at Rachel's anger. I never, ever, ever remember when I can just tell the tension so much that we're about to just, everybody get angry, say, hold on a second. Hey, hey, church member, hey, great. Could you come over here? We're about to lose our minds and get angry. I just think you all want to see a front row seat to me just belittling my family. Will you come over now? No, you ever like have an argument or something happens and someone knocks on your door and you're just, ah, and all of a sudden it's like, just as I am. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like that. You know why? Because our conscience convicts us. And so we see that. You're like, Phil, okay, let's go to the next point. Good, let's go to next, all right? <laughs> next. Next thing I see about this. Thinking about Lot, the friend of God, I want us to see thirdly this, is when evil comes to visit its friend. When evil comes to visit its friend. Can I tell you, if you're the friend of God, God will come visit you like he did Abraham. If you're the friend of the world, don't be surprised when evil comes and finds you. 
when it comes looking for you. When that sinfulness comes looking for you. It, it's really a sad part of scripture if you read it. And we're going to read some of it. It says, verse 4, But before they lay down, before they could go to sleep, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter, and they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out that we may know them. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after them and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known men. Let me pray you, bring them out unto you. And do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. For therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. I tell you, it's terrifying just to even read that. I mean, it just makes you go, oh my. But, but can I show you something about how evil will come to visit its friend? Did you see in verse number four, when the men of the city of Sodom came, look what it says, both old and young. Sinfulness does not, is not a respecter of person. It don't care how old you are. It don't care how saved, how long you've been saved. It don't care who you are, the age you are, any of that stuff. It says that old and young, how sad that is. Now, I know when we naturally think about and growing up in church and we think about the evil of Sodom and Gomorrah, can I tell you something? Sodom and Gomorrah got burnt off the face of the earth for a lot more than this one particular thing of immorality and with you know kind of our group tonight you i hope you understand where i'm not going to go necessarily with things but can i explain something to you it wasn't just that carnality the reason sodom and gomorrah went there the whole city was carnal there was immorality immorality by the way is not just sexual immorality is in in all ways the whole city was corrupt. Everything was corrupt. Not just in this one area where we naturally think about. But if I'm thinking about this, how much of a friend of the world, let's just be honest, how much of a loser of a parent does Lot got to be to know the evil? And by the way, there's no record in Scripture that he ever endorses you know, the sinfulness that we think of. There's no record of that. But how much of a loser you got to be to offer up your daughters for this? I mean, seriously, I mean, how far gone? I mean, if you're like me, I get mad thinking about it, thinking if a group wants to come, let's go, boys. You know, hey, you're going to take me first is what you would think, right? I'm not even a gun guy, Okay. I mean, I got a shotgun my dad gave me, okay? But I'm thinking to myself, I don't care. You know, I'm not going to offer up my daughters for that. And see, here's the thing. Evil doesn't care who they take from you and what it takes from you. And when you understand this, and, and I want you to understand something. And by the way, I know people today say, and some of the immorality and things that are, that are mentioned here, like today it's so rampant. Can I tell you we're only 19 chapters into the Bible? So a lot of the things that we look at today and say how horrible the world was, can I tell you that we're 19 chapters into the Bible and we see the same things? So we're all capable of this thing. This world has been like this for a long time. And when you see this, but can I tell you something even in this? Can I tell you regardless of whatever the sin may be, can I tell you, and I know it's an old phrase, but it's absolutely true. 
God absolutely detests sin, but he loves people. And we need to embrace that. We need to say, you know what, there's people that struggle with all kinds of immorality in all different types of shapes, and they may struggle with things. And can I tell you this, is that we are not the people of God if we throw those people to the wolves. We are to be the light to shine. I've told you this before. I don't care who walks through those doors, whatever sinfulness and whatever sin thing they have in their life, if they come in those doors and they're not here pushing any kind of agenda, but they're here, what better place in the world to be around people that supposedly know God and love God? Let's share the love of Christ with them. That's where they're going to get it. They're not going to get it out there. They're not going to get in the darkness of Sodom. We have to love it because if we're not, if we get a little too pharisaical, every one of us walks in here with some sin. Church is messy. We're messy. We just like to blast other we just like to blast other people's sin to make our sin not seem so much. And I always have to remember this. I can't throw someone away just because their sin disgusts me, because there's somebody's sin that because I'm probably disgusted a lot of people with my sin. And I'm thankful that God and other people don't throw me away. Because we're all still a work in progress. May we never forget that. May we always love people. It says what? That all the world shall know you're my disciples by what? Your strong stand. Doesn't say that we should stand. By your love one for another. Love people. I I mean, we're not going to take time to do this tonight. But some of us in this room have, and may even still now, have things in our life that constantly haunt us and draw us back away from God? Aren't you thankful for the, the, the people God put in your life that showed you love and showed you grace to help pull you towards Christ and may still are helping pull you towards Christ? And by the way, when you get to the point that you don't have any love and grace to show to somebody, be careful because there's probably going to be a day you're going to need that love and grace showed back to you. And we have to do it. We stand on God's word. We stand against sin, but man, we got to love people. We got to love people. And so we see that God loves people. And I'm so thankful that God is just, he's loving, he's holy in those things. And I want to tell you that when I see a lot here, one thing I want us to, just to remember is the idea that if we're not careful as a friend of the world, that evil will come to visit its friend one day. Okay, next thing is this. We see that we need to heed God's warnings. Now, after our <laughs> the Sunday school lesson today, I feel like that's all we're talking about today with this, you know, is that we need to heed God's warning. So we see down in uh, verse number 12, it says, And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here beside any besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out into this place? For we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to look to destroy it and lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-laws which married his daughters and said up get you out of this place for the lord will destroy the city but he seemed as one that mocked or joked unto his sons-in-law i mean what a tragic verse verse 14 is lot has become so much the friend of the friend of the world that whenever he understands god's warning and tries to heed god's warning when he goes to his sons-in-law they're like what are you talking about lot Lot was a friend of the world so much that he lost his own family. Now, to understand this, and, and our time's getting away from us, how many people did God say he was spared? Ten, right? 
So I'm just reading a little bit here. Lot, Mrs. Lot, okay? Two daughters that weren't married. I don't know if you noticed it. It says in verse 12, and thy sons. Sons is plural. Let's just give him two, okay? All right. And then it says thy sons-in-law. That's at least two. To be a son-in-law, you got to be married to a daughter. I can't prove this, but if Lot could have just won his family. If he could just have won his family, maybe Sodom and Gomorrah would still be standing today. And because God, Lot didn't heed God's warnings, back when I'm sure the Holy, through, through the Holy Spirit and through conviction was reminding him, and maybe the things of Abraham reminding him, because he didn't heed the warnings, when he goes and he says, hey, the angels have told me they're going to destroy this place, they look at him, his sons-in-law look at him, and they're like, you're drunk. Lot, you've been drinking again. I mean, that's really the mentality they have. You're mocking him, and they don't take it seriously. And he's telling them, get out of the city. God's going to destroy the city. And they're probably looking at him saying, who is this God you're talking about? Aren't you the guy that sits in the gate? We know who you are. We're married to your daughters. Who are, who are you talking about? And we have to be careful of this in our lives. Man, we have to heed the warnings of God. And not just those big things like we read about in Revelation that I tell you, God can, through that still small voice, whenever sin presents itself to us, we need to listen and heed those warnings where God says, don't do it. Don't do it. Have you ever been like this? If you ever sometimes look back, and I know I've been guilty of this, to look back at some things I gave into in my life and some things that I endured in my life and thought to myself, if I knew this was going to be the result, I never would have done that to begin with because I didn't listen to the signs. I didn't listen to God heeding, saying, hey, don't, don't do it. And the idea of here is this, don't toy with sin. Don't flirt with sin. Don't, don't think it's cute, but instead run from it. Can I tell you this? The danger that we have a lot of times of finally giving in to sin is not that we somehow avoid it, is that we run away from it. Remember Joseph later on in Genesis? He didn't keep hanging out having dinner with Potiphar's wife. He says that he left his coat in her hand and he took off. He didn't keep reasoning with her after a while. He says, I got to get away from you. Because I really think Joseph thought, if I stay here, I'm in danger. And so he got away from it. Can I encourage you with things in your life that pull you away from God? Don't flirt with it. Don't toy with it. Don't try to get around it. Get away from it. Don't toy with sin because it can ruin your life. It can ruin your life. And we see these things here. And it goes on in verse number 15 and 16. It says, And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. It's like, hey, so he couldn't get them to go with him. The sons-in-law he talked to, I'm not real sure, but I kind of think his sons-in-law, possibly his daughters, there with it would stay. And look what it says in verse 16. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon him, his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And that's huge right there. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. Lot wouldn't even leave the city. Finally, the angels say, God can't do, we can't do and the destruction of the city until you're out of here and Lot's still lingering. 
He's still lingering. And finally, they grab him and take them out of the city. To me, he's such a friend of the world that he still can't leave it knowing what's going to happen. He still won't leave it. And he takes them out, and they pull him out. And if you see in the middle of verse 16, even when we linger in sin, I'm thankful for at least a time period it says the Lord being merciful unto him. I'm thankful to God that as long as I stay friends of the world, that if God in his mercy still wants to show me mercy to me, and I'm glad that his mercy is not like, hey, I gave you one chance, and that's it. But he continued to show mercy there. And he lingered, and Lot's still doing that. And we're not going to take time to read it, but I'll tell you what happens in verses 17 to 23, just to give you an idea. They're taking him out, and they look at Lot and say, go up to the mountain, go as far away as you can. And you want to know what it says in verses 17 to 23? Lot starts negotiating with the angels. He's like, hey, that city over there is small. Can I go to that city? Remember, it's not just a city of Sodom and Gomorrah. The cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. So he says, hey, there's this little city over here. Don't send me up into the mountain. I don't know what's going to happen to me up there. At least let me stay in one of the cities near Sodom. That city later becomes known as the city of Zor or Zoar. And he still wanted to go there. And finally, it's funny, he, the angels finally said, fine, you can go there. And he doesn't go there because he's scared they're going to blame him for Sodom and Gomorrah getting destroyed. But he's still negotiating with that. That's how entrenched he was in the world. He's still sitting here negotiating. Let me just stay close to Sodom instead of running and fleeing. And the last thing we see here, and I know our time is up, and, and it kind of obviously goes with this, is that the wrath of God is real. We need to understand as the friend of the world and as the friend of God that the wrath of God is real. Look at verse 24. So he's gone, he's out. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities. And that which grew upon the ground, in verse 26 is really, really, really hard. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Remember as they're leaving, what did the angels say? Go, don't look back. These are the only two things you got to do. Go, don't look back. Now, we really want to really blast this woman, but we got to remember this is a mama. Okay, let's just give her a little bit of reprieve here. She knows that she probably hears and probably can smell the brimstone and things coming down. I got babies. I got kids that God's dumping his wrath on right now. And even in the midst of that, she doesn't heed it. She turns and looks. And so a lot of times we just want to totally mock her. But can you just put yourself, especially if you're a mom in here, can you put yourself in your shoes as you're leaving, knowing your children, maybe grandchildren, I don't really know are being destroyed and she just can't help it because she's been the friend of the world so long that God's wrath still doesn't phase her and it's like we study today in Revelation all that stuff that happens and it says there will still be those that don't repent There'll still be those that laugh. There'll still be those that continue on in their immorality and continue on in those things. They'll just continue on in those things and go on and go on. And to understand that's real. And she turns and she looks, and it says in verse 27, Abraham got up early in the morning, 
to the place where he stood before the Lord. I have that underlined along with back in chapter 18 where it says, and Abraham stood before the Lord. So the same place Abraham had that conversation with God, Abraham goes to that same place and watches. Imagine Abraham's heart. Nothing he can do. He's done everything he could. And it says, and he looked toward Sodom, verse 28, and Gomorrah, and toward all the land of the plain, and looked, and beheld, and lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass, when God destroyed the cities of the plain, that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. And we won't even go into the last part of this. I mean, it, there is no happiness, happy ending here. You ought to sometimes read the end of chapter 19. I mean, you want to talk about more immorality? <laughs> Just read it. By the way, two of the greatest enemies to the nation of Israel in Old Testament days are birthed in these next few verses. Edomites and Ammonites. Because you know why? Because Lot was a friend of the world. It all started with pitching his tent and his heart was in Sodom. So what do we take from this tonight? I tell you, the thing that takes from me tonight is this, is the idea of this. God doesn't take sin lightly and may we never get comfortable and settled in sin. Let's not make something small because here's the thing. Do you think Lot even imagined the day that he pitched his tent towards Sodom? That it would only be a moment of time that his, some of his children and his wife and sons-in-law and, and what happens later on in the chapter would be the result of just pitching your tent towards Sodom? Because as the old song says, sin will take you farther than you want to go. Sin will leave you longer than you want to stay. And sin will always cost us far more than we ever want to pay. May we run away from sin and run to a God that loves us and wants to give us grace and give us mercy and help us as we walk through this thing called the Christian life. Let's stand together and we'll pray.